Back at it again, Kendra. It's just you and I talking shit to each other, enjoying the time that we have. And guess what? We have a good guest for tonight. We have Robbie Fox, Barstool, a nerd, they say, coming into a fan, coming into a Barstool representative. He has his own podcast. Uh, very exciting. It's, it's real cool to hear his story, which we'll get him on here and break it down. But I am excited about this one thing, Kendra. This coming week, you have mm-hmm. Lena Paul with you. You yeah. have Prince with you. You're going to have a bunch of different just, you know, adult stars on your OnlyFans. You get to hang out with the ones we all love. It's coming this week. How excited are you on that? I'm excited. You know, I, I don't want to say I keep forgetting about it. I mean, I know I have it coming up, but I've been really focusing on the Mikhail Mayer fight more so than my only. And I love, I love filming, but it's like, I got to get, I want to, the fight, like her fight. I'm a little anxious for her just because, you know, I want nothing but the best. So I'm amped up for that. And then I can kind of decompress for an evening or part of an evening. And then, I mean, I'm going hard in the paint. I mean, big time, like back to back to back to back. So That's insane. You're going to be at the fight there. You're going to be cage side or actually ringside. What am I saying? Cage. Like, it's a side. different sport. Yeah. You're going to be there. She's going to make history. Um, we, we just saw Clarissa Shields dominate last night and actually show that she's a dog. She's ready. She's in this. And it was, it was good to see her at PFL. I, her power she is so quick and so powerful. I mean, every time she punched, you could see the, her opponent was in pain. Like, it hurt. The only mistake, you know, that she made, but, I mean, she's only been training for, what, five or six months, was, you know, instead of trying to do the ground and pound, just get back up. But her opponent, brown belt in jiu-jitsu, I mean, had more experience. She wanted her on the ground. But, I mean, she maintained. She didn't take a lot of damage. She's strong. Uh a lot of potential for her and she's from Flint, Michigan. So I was screaming. Um, a friend of mine works for PFL, uh, Ian Parker, I believe. And, uh, I said, and I was, I almost lost my voice. Cause I was like, what the, like, he's, what is he waiting for? I felt like he waited too long to make the call and it was pissing me off. And I was like, is he just, you know, giving the, her opponent the benefit of the doubt? Cause she's more experienced, but I think it was a late call. It pissed me off. I'm like, what's he waiting for? I was screaming at the top of the lungs. What the fuck? <laughs> and then I texted Ian. I was like, this, I was like, worst ref ever. And I, I was just pissed. You know, he didn't because if she would have lost, you know, or if it went to a decision and she lost, I was going to lose it. So go. Oh, no, it's, it's insane. It, it would have been definitely, it definitely would have uh, stirred the pot. But it, it just shows like anybody can do mixed martial arts if you put your time into it and you put the dedication. Calista Seals. She is a powerful boxer. She's an Olympic gold medalist. She's yeah. traveled. She's done a whole bunch of stuff. She's put her time in. And you can tell that she went into PFL with 100% just want to win, 100% you know, focus on MMA. She dove into it. She did great. Yeah. Now, I mean, that's a boxer coming to the MMA world. And it's crazy that we have a female boxer coming into the MMA world. And we're all talking about Jake Paul and Logan Paul talking about boxing all the MMA fighters. But they don't want to step into it. No. They have, we've had CM Punk. We've had Brock Lesnar come over from WWE. And these are these are people that are trying to come in there, and they're, they're not going to be as successful. Brock Lesnar, yes. Heavyweight, different. Yeah. Brock is a huge guy. But Clarissa Shields, Clarissa Shields has shown 
that it's possible, and she's shown a lot of promise. She's shown that she has the heart, and that's the biggest thing in mixed martial arts. Yes. Leads us in there. Um, next thing we have, we're going to have Robbie Fox on everybody. He's a bar stool guy. He has, uh, my mom's baby podcast. He's 132 episodes. Uh, this guy has a lot of intriguing information. He loves everything. I'm talking about movies, music, fighting. He's always posting about fighting. Um, I, I like to get some of his takes on some of these recent uh, fighters that are trying not to fight because of money, because they're seeing Jake Paul. I'm also want to see his uh, music taste because I've been seeing some of his podcasts are pretty hilarious. Uh, do you, do you have it's like a top musician that you like, Kendra? You know, it depends on my mood. Like when I'm at the gym and I'm training, I t- I don't know. I tend to go with more like hip hop. It takes me to that my alter ego. Like I don't know, like. I like Travis Scott. I like Drake. I, you know, um, I don't know, like, who's I listening to? Amigos. Like, you know, so I kind of go to that place. But then there's times where I'm into some classic rock, ACDC, like, rocky shit. Like, so all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, I fluctuate. What about you? You know, it it, it all depends. You know, I have Miley Cyrus. Everybody knows I love her. I love her music. I think it's amazing. It's ready to rock. And then... I also enjoy listening to Drake. I enjoy Migos. I enjoy Frank Sinatra, Frankie Valley. It just depends on where I'm at. And my brother does a uh, his own um, how do you say his own band? It's a hardcore punk band called Spine. It's Kansas City, Missouri, and uh, Chicago, Illinois. It's a, it's a mixture of two cities, two different people. They my dad, brother's a vocalist. He has a drummer, guitarist, bass, and they all just jam out, started out in the basement and rocked out. Um, I'll listen to that as well. It just depends on what my mood is, you know, and I feel like some days my mood swings to listening to Post Malone and that beautiful, yeah. like, nice, soothing voice and just, like, relaxing like I'm driving down the Las Vegas Boulevard. Or, you know, sometimes I just want to, like, party it up and listen to Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus. Yeah, it's always, like, a good vacation. Or, like, I, we always kind of start a little – when we're getting away, that'll be like one of our go-tos. So with that being said, I want to uh, welcome Robbie Fox to the show. How are you, Robbie? I'm good. How are you guys? Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, Thank you. Pumped, man, we're pumped, excited. We have a lot of random questions to ask you. Um, one of the biggest ones uh, is how was your day, dude? Mm-hmm. My day was pretty good. My day was actually like a bit strange because – I edit my own podcast, which came out today on Friday as we we're recording this. So I pulled an all-nighter last night, not like on purpose. You know, I just it, it was a long night of editing, and I went to sleep around 9 a.m. and I woke up at like 3 p.m. So it's been a weird day. My day kind of just started. I feel like yeah. it just started. And look, what better place to have it on with an MMA fighter and adult film star? You're right between us. You're sandwiched between yeah. us. <laughs> I know, yeah. Feel? It's it's truly like it sort of feels like did I wake up? Am I still dreaming? Like what's going on right now? This feels like a it's it's a strange combination, but I'm here for it. That's right. Awesome, Robbie. So tell us like what okay, so you said like you pulled an all nighter and obviously it's not probably something that you normally do. Like what's a regular day? Like when you're just I mean, a regular work day for you, like what do you do all day? It's honestly different like every day at Barstool. That's kind of what I like the most about like working at Barstool. The freedom that we're afforded is 
I kind of wake up and do what I want to do. So if I wake up and I'm feeling into super into fighting, like, to, like, you know, I wake up and I w- just watch that Clarissa Shields fight. I'm like, I want to write about that all day. I'm allowed to do that. If I wake up and I have interviews to do, that's like pretty regular doing interviews for the podcast like that. I love doing um, blogging about music like you guys were just talking about in the intro sort of if i wake up and i'm super into like oh it's the anniversary of abbey road like let me write a whole blog about that i'm allowed to do that so kind of depends on the day it's it's all different um sometimes podcasting sometimes making videos sometimes going to the office okay it just makes it up so i was looking in deep into like your lifestyle i've watched you the first time i saw you is with dana white you're doing a tour through his uh facility which I've been inside there. It's absolutely unreal. Um, awesome. And you also saw the most expensive painting in the world that his story was hilarious. That he was like, oh, this is junk. and didn't realize he had the most expensive painting ever. Um, but I, I wanted to talk a little bit about how you got came from, you know, you were in high school. It said that you were in high school and you were like, they called it the nerd I know, ooh. but like, I never liked that. Okay. I don't want to talk about it, but like, I, sorry, I'm honing in on these girls. I um never liked to be like using that term, but I, I don't know. I just, I was a lover of all I like blended, but anyway, so we would have met, we would have got like, got together really well, like, or got along really well. I shouldn't well, say you're saying there's a chance. I would have liked you, Robbie. I wouldn't have categorized you. Look at you, Julian. Well, luckily, sure like, I grew up in a time where, like, being a nerd is, like, kind of, like, not even that derogatory anymore. Like, Avengers is, like, the biggest thing in the world. So people kind of embrace it now. It's not even, yeah. like, it hasn't okay. even really ever been used against me in that, like, you're a nerd. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I just like messing with Julian. He's like, oh, what is it? What was all those nerds? Revenge of the nerds. That's what it is. We're in this. We're living the uh, the second part of Revenge of the Nerds. That's what exactly. Um, but yeah, how did you how did you end up getting into barstool? Because I was I was looking at it, but it, there's no really like story out there that I could find where it said like, hey, this is what you did, and then yeah. boom, they picked you up. How is it that so, you got barstool? It's actually kind of a crazy story. My, I have a, a bunch of uh, – my older brother is 12 years older than me. My older sister is nine years older than me, and all my cousins are much older than me as well. So they were always kind of putting me onto stuff that maybe I was a little too young for. And at one family party, a bunch of my cousins showed me Barstool, and they were all in college at the time. So it was kind of like you know, this had to be 2013, 2012. And they were just like, this is the funniest site. You know, they post funny viral videos all the time. And I started getting into it a little more than they were even. Like, I started getting into it, though, for the personalities, for, like, the Dave Portnoy's, for the Big Cats, over the viral videos. I thought they were funny. And the whole environment seemed like, like, oh, these guys get paid to, like, be friends and talk about sports and go to events and cheer like fans. Like, they don't have to be professional. They don't have to be the button-up people. I was like, that's awesome. So when I'm... 13, 14 years old, I start applying. Like I find their emails and I just start emailing them like incessantly, probably way too annoyingly. I got an email back from Big Cat when I was 14. And it's it just said like, and I was trying to be the MMA guy at the time because I was just a, a huge UFC fan. And at the time, zero people at Barstool watched or wrote about MMA. So even if like McGregor would fight, there'd just be no blog about it. 
So oh, wow. I was always like, oh, that's kind of my end. Like I could fill a little void at the, in this website. But when I was 14, Big Cat emailed me and he's like, dude, we can't hire a 14-year-old. Like, oh, he emailed me. So th- you're saying there's a chance. Like, yes, okay. Yes, <laughs> and I just kept going. Exactly. So I just kept going. And I started getting a little into graphic design because I started trying to run my own blog and sending them emails being like, look, here's what I could do. So I get a job like kind of like BS my way into a graphic design job saying that I'm more qualified than I am so I could pick my own hours so I could watch UFC pay-per-views on Saturdays. Like it was hard to find a job as a 16-year-old where you could get Saturday nights off. So I start doing this and then I start sending them shirt designs when I start getting into graphic design. Like anything they would say on the rundown or in a video, I would make a shirt out of it and send it to them. And I would say like, you know, you could take this design. I just want an in. And eventually they used one. And I got a check from Dave when I was in high school for like a couple hundred bucks for like a random, it was like a Tom Brady shirt design or something when his suspension got lifted. It was something that I didn't even care about. But I was like, oh my God, like I got this check from Dave Portnoy. It had a signature on it. I like didn't even want to cash it, you know? It's funny now, like being that like I've worked here for a couple of years, but. Now you're like, can't wait. Like, let me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Please yeah. keep, yeah. keep giving me the paycheck. Yes, I'm going to keep cashing them. Um. <laughs> But when they moved to New York, so they were always a Boston company when I was growing up, and they were always sort of scattered around the country. Peter Chernin acquires the company in, I think, 2016, and they all moved to New York. And I was like, oh, that's my end. I grew up in New Jersey, right outside the city. So I was like, oh, my God, this is perfect. I could maybe be an intern. I know they always hire interns. And I emailed everyone at the company. The company had started growing at this point. So there was like some other people that needed interns. And I got in with someone named Riggs, who's still the golf guy at Barstool. He runs the Barstool Classic. And uh, he just ran the Let Them Play Classic and all that stuff. And he was doing like golf and also politics and world news at the time. Three things I genuinely know nothing about. But I was just like, listen, this is my foot in the door. Like I know how to edit a podcast. So if you want to do podcasts, like I could edit that. And people still, golf fans, get really mad at me when I say this. If there's any golf fans listening to the podcast, like, prepare to be triggered. The first golf course I ever stepped foot on was Augusta National, like, where they play the Masters. Yeah, you're pissing people off. Which is pretty crazy because, like, you know, that's, like, people wait their whole life to go there. And I was just like, oh, this is what golf is like? And everyone was like, no, this is not what it's like. This is the pinnacle. But I, once I got hired as his his intern, I started – kind of just annoying the editor-in-chief and Dave and being like, can I write one MMA blog a day? Like, I'll just, there's got to be like one big story a day that I could make a funny blog out of. And I could turn into a funny angle. And maybe I could show, hey, like a mid-card fighter did something ridiculous. Here's a story about it. And then the next time that he fights, hopefully the people that aren't so into the UFC remember that. And they're like, oh yeah, that's the guy who the blog was about. So as soon as I started doing that, like started just snowballing from there and then, I think I got hired as an intern in October of 2017. Mm-hmm. And then by February of 2018, I was full-time like MMA blogger. Damn, that's crazy. Wow. I mean, it was relentless. Yeah. Relentless. Yeah. Yeah. Relentless. yeah. Maybe to a, an annoying degree at times, but yeah. I mean, you set yourself up though. I mean, you went after what you wanted. You and you achieved exactly what you wanted. Like most people go after what they want and like they stop somewhere. Yeah. Did you find this point where it was just like, dude, I'm tired of this shit. Totally. I remember like going to bed so frustrated in high school, which is funny being like, I was 15 when this is happening, but I'm going to bed being like, 
I'm never going to get hired. I sent them like six shirt designs in the past week and I didn't get one email response like those nights. But I mean, the relentlessness was just like the, I knew consistency was key. So I knew like running my own blog for a while, running my own podcast for a while would be important and just showing them that I could do it consistently. So I was just like, I don't know, even when I, I, so I did go to college for a semester, a community college. And like when I was in college, in my mindset was I'm here until I could get hired by Barstool. And then I know I could drop out. And it was like, it took me a semester, but I did, like I did do that. You know, I can relate to that in my own story. Um, I was a little bit older in life, but same thing. They, people did not. And I think your story is incredible. And I love your tenacity. And I always, and you're talented too, though, that, that there's a difference. There's a lot of people out there that are not talented and they don't pursue, I guess, or continue to like build on their talent. But I always say hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard, right? So your relentlessness relentlessness definitely paid off. And I can kind of relate because when I started, people were like, who is this chick? She's from Michigan. Like, yeah, we're going to hire a MILF that does girl, girl and, you know, whatever. Like this chick doesn't have a chance. And I start, I did the same thing that you did. I emailed, emailed, called, Twittered, like to the point where I probably was a source of aggravation. So they just said, okay, we're just going to give you a shot. They were probably hoping that I flopped. And you know what? We didn't, Robbie. So, you know, (laughs) we're badasses. Hell yeah. And I know I was a source of aggravation because the first time I ever met Dave Portnoy in person was like the most awkward scenario you could ask for. I accidentally got on the elevator with him as an intern, like as a new intern. And it was just the two of us. Was it really an accident, Robbie? No, it really was. I think I was actually on the elevator first leaving and then he walked on and I was just like, oh, I'm way too anxious to do something like that on purpose. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. This is my opportunity. Can I curse? Yeah, right. I could curse. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're cursing. Fuck it. I said I was like, I'm going to use this opportunity to introduce myself. I'm like, all right. And I like put my hand out. I was like, hi, Dave. Nice to meet you. Like I'm a new intern here. I'm working for Riggs. Uh, My name's Robbie. And he just looked at me with this face and he's like, Robbie Fox. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, you are so annoying with your emails, man. And I was just like, oh, I'm sorry. I was like, well, I'm here now. And he's like, I guess so. I'm sorry, but not really, because now you match my face. This is the face. Okay. Yeah. That is so cool. Like I have mad respect for that. And that's what I was telling Julian today. And we were kind of talking and I was like, you know what? We still have a lot of room to grow and, and, and that's great. And even like, you know, on the show together as humans, whatever, I was like, but I don't care. We're go- I'm going for the big dogs. I'm bossing up. We're going to do it. So, yeah. but Hey, we got a barstool big dog. <laughs> yeah. We got, we we're both talking about the, the, the future of guests that we have on here. And like, I have my people that I want on and she has hers and we're like, we're going to go okay. after them all. We're head button back and forth. Like, yeah, I want these people on here. It's like, yeah, but we need to go hire them. I'm like, man, we need them all. Forget it. <laughs> no. We need Pokemon. You know, we got to catch them all. You know what I'm saying? Hell yeah. So, sorry, Julie, I keep cutting you off, but you know, I'm like, gosh, well, I want to learn more about him. And I'm like, I'm going to let you take the lead. And then here I butt in. Um, I guess that, okay. So kind of told a little bit about your story, I guess, but um, was there like, Julian talked about like a moment where you were feeling like, oh my gosh, like, like the utmost despair. But was there a moment where you kind of felt like, okay, like 
I have a chance, not the answered email, but like, how did you really know that you kind of had made it with them at, at what point was like, okay, like I'm good. I'm, I'm in the crowd, you know, that type of thing. Like, what would you uh, say? Was there uh, like a pivot? Before I got moment? hired or after you're saying? Like after. So you're in, but like, okay, you're not an intern anymore. You're working for a while. Like, was there something? And then you just, you just knew like, there was a weekend, so my first like sort of weekend on the job as a solo content personality, not as like the producer of the, the golf podcast that was going on trips to edit mm-hmm. podcasts, was WrestleMania. I'm a big wrestling fan, and I had, before I even got hired by Barstool, purchased my ticket to WrestleMania, my plane ticket and everything. So I kind of just said, I, I think I went into Dave's office and I was like, listen, I already have my ticket, everything. I know that I've never really made videos for us before, but I think I would make good videos down at WrestleMania. If you just pay for a cameraman, I think it would be worth it. And he was like, all right, like, let's give it a shot. And credit to him because like, he truly does give everyone a shot like that. Like, let's see what you got. And I made two videos down there that weekend. And both of them got like the whole company tweeting about them to the point where I was like, okay, like there's something like there's something here one was i put together uh like a spot at a wrestling show with i actually trained to be a wrestler for a summer in high school this was like a dream of mine it was like a pipe pipe dream which is funny because when when you talk about pipe dream i have pipe cleaner arms like talk about me wanting to be a wrestler but (laughs) i i put together this spot where i said we'll do it was with the guy that trained me he had a match wrestlemania weekend in front of this big like 1300 seat crowd right and i said i'll be the fan in the crowd and you'll call me up and be like hey hold this wrestler and then i'll hold him and then you go go to throw a kick he'll move out of the way you hit me and then it'll, you know, nobody will be in on it except us. And it'll be this huge spot. And it'll look like you accidentally kicked me in the face. And wow. we did it. We didn't rehearse it once. We did it live. <laughs> and it turned out so well. Like, it, he honestly barely grazed me. And it looks okay. like he kicked my head off in the video. It was, wow. like, awesome. So there was that. And then I immediately went and made a video outside WrestleMania Access, which is basically their version of Comic-Con. It's like all okay. the signings, the lines. Only the hard, yeah. most hardcore fans go to this. Yes. And I put on a bunch of like UFC tap out gear. And as a huge wrestling fan, you know, went up to everyone. Hey, you know, this is fake, right? And kind of just played the like the hardo idiot like asshole. And just because I've dealt with those people my entire life as a fan of MMA and wrestling. Yeah. And both of those videos like turned out really well. So I think that was the weekend where I was like, Dave said after, like after that, he was like, Hey, if you ever want to like go on trips, like let me know. And I was like, okay, that's like a really good sign. Yeah, absolutely. You were kind of calling your own shots, like what you wanted to do. Yeah. That is, that is awesome. Good. I, I love that. I love wrestling too. All right, all right Julie, I'm going to let you chat for, or ask questions. Cause I'm taking over. Take on over. I was just saying that's like, I, I thought it was dope that you took a gamble on yourself and a gamble on your own ideas. Cause mm-hmm. I like, there's a lot of ideas that I have. And the first idea I had was to call out Miley Cyrus on a date. And I was like, okay, this is going to work. I know exactly what's going to happen. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to get people pissed off and I'm going to do this. And I had everything planned out and it started coming to fruition. I was like, okay, okay, cool. And then the next time I was on the mic, I had another plan. I have another plan and boom, boom, boom. And it just keeps doing more and more. Like it brings, it's cool to see like, this is what I planned. And then it took off way bigger than I ever thought. Absolutely. And it's, more. And it's uh, you're taking gamble on yourself where you're, you're creating your own path. 
instead of following what other paths that everybody else had. Like you literally took a, a grace kick to the face, but you sold it. Like you got knocked the hell out, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's uh yeah. That's the video is, the video is out there too. It's, it's worth a watch because it really does look like I got my face kicked off and like, Oh my gosh. You know, you're it's, gonna it's, have it's to a funny gif at this point. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have to email it to me, like email me the link to where I can find yeah. it. For sure. I'm pretty sure I've seen the video, but I just didn't know it was you. You yeah. know what I mean? Because I've seen that gif. I know exactly which one you're talking about. I'm so, I need to – like, I want to see it right now. Like, I'm a little impulsive. <laughs> I want to see it so bad. I, okay, not that I want to see it, but it was a great. You weren't hurt, which is awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, talking about wrestling, you had interviewed Brett the Hitman Hart. Adore yeah. him. Yeah. How was that? He was like – How cool was that? I don't even know if I could do that. Like – Cause I'm such a, okay. I'm calling myself a nerd. I am kind of nerdy myself. Uh, I'm not, There's, you know, sex and I don't do drugs and I'm more rap than rock and roll, you know, I'll throw in some country, whatever. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of nerdy when it comes to certain things. I, I do fan out over Ric Flair. He's the shit. I've okay. interviewed him Can before that. Move? That was one of those, Woo! like, you know, stand back like and you know what all of these i think uh i'm better off for them being on zoom interviewing rick flair interviewing Shawn michaels bret hart oh because God. i think if i were in person i would just like melt in their presence right but doing it over zoom there's at least a layer of separation where i'm like all right they can't see me freaking out and then i could just put on the mask and i'm like all right uh here we are but i mean they could tell come on i can't not nerd out in front of these guys when I like know. i grew up playing with action figures of them like that's like <laughs> a, a, a certain realm of like you're in the realm of batman and superman at that point oh badass oh just around a ray mysterio mask and you're all you know like you'll be I was Rey Mysterio for Halloween he was one Woo! of my favorites I yeah. have a mask of him too I was <laughs> yeah. in the bedroom totally kidding no 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 totally kidding <laughs> oh my gosh I, I like super fly Jimmy Snuka off the bed post Woo! and a it's, it's wild as hell I was like I envisioned that just now as I'm listening <laughs> to the conversation I'm like oh fuck what am I doing like why am I looking at that uh but I, I get that whole situation because we went out for Kendra's birthday one year back and uh she had a whole bunch of, you know, WWE stars and Dolph Ziggler was there. It was the first time I ever yep. met him and super dope personality, funny guy. But like, you're sitting there kind of, like, I don't get starstruck that much, but I'm like, damn dude, like this dude's yeah. awesome. This dude's like super dope. And Goldberg, uh, huge. Yeah, you guys <laughs> let Eric Anders and Goldberg act like they're going to fight. Or who was it that was fighting? It, was Eric <laughs> it wasn't acting. It's inner. It's real. It happened. Yeah, it's true. It happened. It happened at Andiamo's Steakhouse, and they almost threw down. It went down over a steak. Oh wow! But yeah, those are all little fun, fun stuff. Um, but yeah, we were talking about your podcast as well. Um, you're at 132 episodes that you've created. Ooh, this is all you. Yeah. Yeah, all yeah, editing, hosting, all that stuff is made. Even I think more than that because we I think we do like the weekly and then most weeks we do even like bonus episodes. So I think we're like over 200 at this point. Really? How long have you guys been having this podcast? So I've been doing the podcast since March 2019. Okay. You're banging them out like yeah. that's badass. Like you're not playing. Yeah, I did a, I did a lot when when everything shut down. I went to like almost like four a week because I I just you know nobody was doing anything, so I just started doing even short ones, twenty minute podcasts for people's commutes and stuff, stuff like that. 
and you make them you make them generally towards everything like you're it's a wide variety i saw you had loki on there i saw you interviewing uh like fighters i saw you interviewing just anybody you all talk about music on there it's like do you have an, a goal a target like you're just fanning out every time you're on there that's sort of the goal is just everything that i love i like to talk about the stuff that I like, I like it to be like a very positive show. You know, I don't like the, the yeah. super anti like, Oh, let's pick apart the stuff we don't like about this. Let's focus on the negative. I focus entirely on the positive on my show. And I think people dig that. Uh, I, mainly I love doing interviews and I love breaking down like movies and shows, um, albums. Even I've done like breakdowns of albums, uh, like song by song, the samples they used and stuff like that. So the, the goal is sort of like, I always look at it like, you know, I, I listen to Joe Rogan, but I don't listen to nearly every episode of Joe Rogan. I kind of just pick the the guests that seem interesting to me or the topics that seem interesting to me. And I want like my listeners to do the same thing. Like I don't expect anyone to have yeah. all of the same weird niche interests that I do. Right. But I do think that uh, I could serve as like a good hub for a bunch of weird niche interests and, you know, be welcome to all of that stuff. So have you broken down which is better, Home Alone 1 or Home Alone 2? Ooh. You know, that's a good question. I'm a Home Alone 1 guy. I actually have three. We I've broken down my three perfect Christmas movies yeah. before, and Home Alone 1 is one of the three. Um, Elf, is, Elf, Elf is two. Elf? And, okay. And, and Die Hard is three. I know that's the big debate. Is Die Hard a Christmas? I watch it every Christmas. I watch it every Christmas, so it has to be. Damn. It's not a Christmas movie. It has a Christmas tree in it, but it's not a Christmas tree. It has Christmas music in it. It ends with some Christmas jingles. I think it is. Yeah, Bruce Willis comes out. Hey, and I even think Batman Returns is a Christmas movie. The old Michael That's, Keaton, Danny DeVito. Yeah, I, so I actually have a, I have a Mondo poster at my house. Um, that's signed and autographed, and it's posted up in there. It's worth a lot of money, and it's one of my favorite ones. But it's Batman Returns right there. It's I think it's one of my favorite, one of my top favorites. Yeah. I can't say it's my favorite. It's hard I to agree. pick them. It's I hard agree. to pick them. I think Jack Nicholson was the best Joker in my point of view. Um, I love yeah, that. But I agree. In, we could we could we could talk about that a little bit later. We'll go in there. But you got Home Alone One. I can rock with it. I can. Rock I will go with Home Alone One. Yeah. I mean. I like Home Alone too. Don't get me wrong. I'm a New York guy myself. And I also like as a New York guy, you love seeing the places that you could actually walk down the street and see in a movie. You're like, oh, that's awesome. That's right down the block or whatever. But the Dove Lady, eh, I would I prefer know. the I would prefer the shovel neighbor where you're like, you think he's scary, but he turns out to be a savior in the end. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, I mean, it's the same plot. Doesn't matter where it's that same plot in, in Chicago as it is in uh, New York. You just have a new, you know, helper. One, uh, one's a shovel, one's a bird lady. But that stuff is hilarious. The sticky bandits. Yeah. Yes, but I did like in two. Last thing about it, West the the the, uh, the hotel concierge, like the or whatever the you know he was just. I just love his mannerisms. Like, I just loved him. It was great. It was anyway. Home Alone mm-hmm. one though. I think we've all we all agree. I'm with it. I'm with it. A lot of Even people. Change your filthy animal, like such an iconic quote right I there. Know. Like doesn't get oh, more iconic it does not at all ever um and you use that for everything in every type of scenario you could use it in a pre-fight um a pre-fight you know interview you can use it after you win your fight you do whatever and it fits in every scenario that you have trust me i've thought about using it <laughs> i thought about using it uh so you also talk about different ones 
Um, so those are kind of questions I want to ask you right off the top of your head and see if you have them in there. I wanted to know um, your top three musicians that you like to listen to before you get a workout in. Like who gets you? <laughs> you think I work out? Well, yeah, I work out. Yeah, I mean, doesn't have to be lifting and everything, but like your workout, like before you go into the mood of of editing your podcast, that's a workout for you. That's your own. I definitely have. I would say I definitely have a top three that I I would stick with. And uh, my favorite, I'm a big pop punk fan. So like even at Barstool, we have like I'm in a a band at Barstool with like three of the other guys that play instruments called pop punk, where we like basically parody that music that blink 182 style like stuck at my locker teenage angst like we think it's hysterical so all time low is my favorite pop punk band they are my favorite band i've seen them live like 13 times um the one of the coolest things that like becoming uh, a barstool employee has afforded me is like the opportunity to meet them and become friends with them at this point coolest thing in the world to me um two such a cliche answer but the beatles the Number Beatles? two is the Beatles for me. Like I got the Beatles on constantly. I've got like, I don't know if you could even see like the Beatles and Muhammad Ali above my TV there. Ah, that's pretty cool. Um, so that's like, so no question about it. Um, and then three would be Oasis. I'm a, I'm a huge like Oasis fan. Liam and Noel Gallagher, my, uh, my guys. Yeah. So the you're first, oh, the first you're one. The music. Oh, sorry. sorry the ultimate, what was the first band? I want to just get a feel. All time low. You might know they have. They had like one super super popular song called "Dear Maria, Count Me In." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that's a new team. It's been going there. They're an alternative yes. indie style band. But yeah, I saw that. I actually was at a bar the other day, and it's a karaoke bar in Kansas City. And all of a sudden, they pulled that song out. Okay. It's just like fun, you know, like party summer music. Like you listen to all time, like you're going to be in a good mood. I'm adding. So you're you're a uh, you're more into like the the live rock band style uh, music. That's do you ever dive into like hardcore punk? Like go into like weekend nachos, heavier music, things like that. Not not super into like hardcore punk. I'm more into the, the like the poppy punk stuff, but like. I really like dive into everything. I, I I've played music since I was in middle school, and I I, I love music. Just like you put music on, and I'll, I won't say skip the song ever. What, what music? What did you play? Uh, I, I played bass. Yeah, so um, oh. I, I played bass. I play like uh, I'm trying to play guitar now, but uh, I was in a band in middle school called Fixed at Zero because we were like stuck in one <laughs> spot. That was our you know angsty teen name. And we were kind of like, we were trying to be like Paramore. We had a female singer and like all of us would be in almost the My Chemical Romance, like black button down with the white skinny tie. Um, and we actually like, we played the Stone Pony a couple times in New Jersey, which is an iconic venue. Like the uh, Bruce Springsteen, like basically made it an iconic venue. We played Webster Hall a couple times in New York. So it was like kind of crazy all before I ever was in high school. So it was weird to get that experience. And then I didn't play music throughout high school. And then coming back to Barstool kind of got me back into playing. And now we get to play at like real venues, which is a joke because it feels like we're playing guitar hero. Like we play covers. So we'll play a full show and, you know, we'll play like three original songs and then 20 songs that everyone knows the words to. And it honestly is like, we should, we belong in like a shitty bar in the corner, but because it's Barstool, we play Irving Plaza and the house of blues and like, 
crazy stuff like that that you could never imagine would become a reality when you're growing up being like i would love to be a rock star and also be an mma fan that writes about mma and you know talk about whatever it's like it's like barstool's crazy it's like you live like a some simulation world and how old are you robbie uh 22 i'll turn 23 next month okay all right so what else do you want to do i mean it seems like everything you kind of set out to do you're doing so (laughs) what's like what do you see the future like if you had a crystal ball where would you predict your your future like what would you predict what do you want i i don't even really know like i i sort of take stuff like one day at a time i've always had the like i love movies so much that i've always had the dream of like maybe one day i'll write a movie that would be that would be amazing um but it's you know i don't have any ideas that are in progress or nothing that i'm working on i think right now uh, like barstool i think barstool is my future just keep building um mma at barstool especially like i i want to launch like a whole mma branch of barstool which we are we are in the process of launching now where i'll be able to interview fighters that you know would basically never get the the mainstream exposure even fighters that aren't in the ufc yet fighters that are still coming up through cage warriors and stuff like that i i think introducing the casual fan to m- more uh more mma and stuff that's awesome You're using a big platform to kind of like catapult these different promotions that you know the ufc is the ultimate pinnacle like fighting uh mixed martial arts out there like bellator is there but everyone always says hey man do you do ufc they don't say do you do of bellator? course and uh, there's a lot of these like great promotions that are coming up or they're out there that have these, you know, up and coming fighters. So using your, your platform to, to do that is fucking phenomenal, especially with like the new style that Jorge Masvidal is doing with this like bare knuckle MMA. That's, Man, that's crazy. What do you think about that? <sighs> I'm all in it. Look, I love look. The thing is, is that like everyone loves violence. We love yeah. violence. I don't care who anyone says they are. Like, oh, I don't like you watching MMA, human cockfighting for entertainment. And I love that. I, I don't like violence, but I like being in violent situations like that. Control. Very weird. Yeah. Yeah, control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Control. Like, you know, if we're out, if we're out in public, I don't like that. But if we're in a cage and it's like, we're ready to go, let's do this. So totally. he has the concept. He took, he takes away the gloves. So now you're going to get cut more. You're going to be more entertaining. There's more possibility for bloods, lacerations, um, earlier stoppage, and just all around just street-style fighting. Like you can't really – you can train for it, but you can't really train for it. Um, I just think it's, it's amazing. Just like yeah, – Yeah, because like you, 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 train for that, you break your hands immediately, right? Like, Yeah, I don't know, for sure. And there are there, – you can't punch as hard as you want. You have to be more like – you have to think about it. Like yeah. if you hit wrong, you're breaking your hand or you're, you're fracturing your hand where you can't use it. And we're going to see a lot of that. But if you watch these bare knuckle fighters, it's very entertaining to see these guys come out there. Like they're MMA fighters that are bare knuckles and they're doing bare, better and bare knuckle than they did in MMA or their careers catapulting from, uh, you know, the MMA world in bare knuckle because of, the fact that they have the, pr- the proper punch, but they have more of like bone on bone and you just earn respect like that. It's, it's amazing. I think it's amazing. Now we're going to talk about, you get to the ground, you could choke them out. Like it's a different training. Let's do this. Did yeah, you I- ever uh, break a hand in a fight? 
Yeah, I did. I found this out. Actually, funny thing is I was actually getting an MRI the other day and they're like, uh, I had to go get x-rays and everything. They're like, Oh, you know, like, yeah, we're trying to figure out what's wrong with your hand, but have you ever broken it? I was like, no, I, I've never, I broke a knuckle, but I never broke my hand. They're like, no, no, you broke your hand. I was like, no, 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 I, I've never, I broke my knuckle. Yeah. They're like, no, 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 your hand's broken, but it healed itself, but it's broken. I was like, okay, where is it at? And it, it's like right down here. Yeah. Or, and yeah. they said it broke. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that. They're like, yeah, we can tell. But uh, yeah, your knuckle never broke. It was your hand. I was going to ask if you felt it in the fight. Clearly you didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't. I don't even think it was in a fight. Huh. I, like, I think it was in practice. Training or something, yeah. yeah. It, it That's crazy. Been... But, yeah, usually if they're going to break the hand with, a, like, a punch, it's usually, like, in these these bones here. Whenever you yeah. see those x-rays, that always makes me, like, cringe. Like, that looks like it's incredibly painful, but a lot of fighters say they never even feel it. You know what, what's painful is that I was there in Jacksonville sitting cage side for uh, – the Chris Weidman. Weidman. Oh. oh, dude. And uh, you're at Hall. I watched that, and in the process, I saw it happen for everybody else. Uh-uh. I'll never forget, you know, I stood up before everyone did, and I was just like, oh, my gosh. And everyone, like, they finally caught on, and they all grabbed me for some reason. I don't know why all the fighters <laughs> put their hands on me. You know, like, whenever you so yeah. Just like, everyone, yeah, everyone just immediately has that reaction. Yeah. yeah. So everyone, like, grabbed me, and I'm like, why are you touching me? But uh, seeing the x-rays of that was something. That yeah. Was God, seeing him walk around is great, though, already. That's, yes. And listen, I, heard- I, I need him to, to have that one last uh, walk to the octagon, at the very least, to Tom Petty's Won't Back Down. That song will hit harder than it ever hit oh. before after coming back from this. Absolutely. I heard an interview with Ariel Hawani and uh, DC. Or, no, I think it was just Ariel. And it was just to hear... It was post, you know, after that had happened and just him talking about the amount of pain and yeah. the recovery. I mean, I just, you feel for him, but um, like you said, he's up and walking. I saw a recent post and th- that's just so awesome. So that's, that's hope- strong Island in a, in a Chris Weidman right there. He won't, he won't take no for an answer. He's like, yeah, he's get off crazy. of me. I'm going to the deli. Anybody will ever be able to walk out to that song because we all know it's his song. Just like Cowboy by Kid Rock is going to be Donald's yep. story. It's like it, it's almost like ain't no sh- ain't no sunshine. DMX like everyone will always associate that with Anderson. Oh, all day, and there you can't you can't ever walk away from that. Um, but you know, now we're on the fighting scene. Let's let's hear who are your top fighters. Like who are your fighters that. One, I want to know who made you fall in love with the sport. Is it are we talking about Pride era? Are we talking about early UFC? Are we talking about the first tough? And then we'll just kind of go in there of who your fighters are today. So everyone knows. I feel like if you know me for any reason in MMA, it's probably due to the McGregor stuff. It's like you know the McGregor crazy fan stuff. So McGregor would have to be the top one at this point. But getting into fighting all goes back to wrestling. Brock Lesnar uh, was my introduction to. UFC, MMA, all that stuff. I was such a wrestling fan that when he made his UFC debut against Frank Mir, my brother had like a party. My brother was um, living like a couple houses down from me at that point, invited a couple friends over, invited me over. It was like Brock Lesnar is like actually going to fight. Like this is going to be real. It's not going to be, they're not going to tell him to go out there and win. And I was like, okay. And I remember going over there and everyone being so disappointed when he lost because Frank Mir hit him with like, it was like a leg lock or a heel hook in that. And Brock like pummeled him the first round. He was really doing great 
in, in the first 90% of the fight and then just got caught. But I thought that was the coolest thing. Like, even as a Brock Lesnar fan, I was like, oh, whoa, he just kind of like beat the shit out of that dude. And that dude grabbed one little thing on his foot and he was, you know, writhing in pain, like <laughs> screaming. I was like, all right, I'm in on this. So I started watching from there. And Brock would be the one that, like, you know, every time he fought, I would watch Rampage, Forrest Griffin, that whole era I was, like, so into. Because then I got the video game. When you get the UFC 09 video game with Forrest Griffin on the cover, like, you start learning the roster and everything. Joe Lozon became, like, one of my main guys. You know, he would go out there and get a bonus every single fight. He would always wind up just a complete crimson mask covering his face, covered in blood like that fight with Jim Miller is like one of my favorite UFC fights of all time. Um, and then Chris Weidman was a huge one when he knocked out Anderson. I was always rooting for the underdog. That was always like just how I was sort of raised. My dad, and my brother would always be like watching boxing. They'd be like, you always root for the underdog. So when he knocked out Anderson, I was like, Oh my God. And he's from, Long Island. I'm from New Jersey. This is like, we're right there. I would say those, those are the main ones. I think I named all of my like top guys. DC. I was huge on DC's entire career. I was, I was a big DC fan. Like his walkout talk about iconic, like the Lil Wayne, you know, slapping everything and then run into the cage. Frankie Edgar, Tom's river guy. Look, you're, you're all, I see you all have East coast guys, except for, I mean, as far East coast would be a lot of East coast guys. Crazy. Yeah. But you're all the East Coast guys. You don't have yeah. any, like, seas or West Coast. I mean, he's a Midwest. He's a Louisiana boy. Uh, I about, like the California oh, kid, Uriah. Uriah's I, Uriah Hall? No, no Uriah Faber. Faber. Oh, Faber. California Faber. kid. Okay, I thought you said Uriah Hall. No, yeah, he's no, from no. New York, too. <laughs> no. I see you keep it on the yeah, East yeah, Coast. Yeah, I like guy. the California guys. Uh, Funkmaster, Al Germain, yeah. Matt yeah, Sarah. You got it all. Cody what about him? What about Cody? Eh-eh? Cody No Love? Yes. You know, I I was never a, the biggest fan of Cody because I, at the time I was a TJ fan. But then in hindsight, you look at everything and you're like, oh, TJ doesn't look so good in hindsight. So it's like, I don't know. I was at UFC 217. So when TJ won the title back, that was like a huge moment. I was also a big GSP guy back in the day. That okay. was like, yeah. I loved the martial artist of GSP. Him walking out with the headband and the gi. I, uh, like that, that's the coolest look in the world. Do you, think, you think that era is gone and we're on to a new era of martial artists? Because I, I don't, I feel like the martial artist, the art of it is yeah. kind of slowly like dwindling right. away. The respect factor. Yes, I think it's tough. Like, yeah, who would you name nowadays? Where you could, I mean, like the ones that you could name nowadays are the old timers that are still around. Like Damian Maya, he's fighting this weekend. Like he's one of those guys, but he, like, he's of that era, I would say, and he's still around. But like, of like the current champions, who who is like the most respectable martial artist who takes the the martial art, the craft of that higher than anything else? Hmm. Yeah, Rose. uh, Rose, yo, Rose is amazing. She is. She is. She doesn't talk anything, but she has a, like a lot of, I don't know, man. She has, she says some stuff that gets, you know, thrown in the wind a little bit different. She's very respectful. She's very calm. Um, I could see being a martial artist, but I just feel more of the trash talk and more of the entertainment side of it is happening now. Stipe like, was a good one when he was, was champ, thinking, right? Yep. I was thinking. Was. He was um, Francis. You know, Francis is actually very good. Like I don't see anything going on. Um, and I also, he's very scary. Yeah, I terrifying. This it's gonna bug me. I can see his face, but I'm drawing a blank on his name. 
He's from, oh God, he has that crazy hair. Remember I said he's going to be knockout of the year, the back elbow spinning. Oh, uh, uh, Jerry? Who is it? How do you say his name? Um, um, yeah, I, yeah, but. Oh, you uh, got Jerry Pierosh? Yes. Yes. I feel like he has that, a very. I just looked up his name. I can't even attempt yes. that, even looking at it. Jesus. Yes, yes. yes. he has a very. Apologies. Um, that, oh, it's okay. I should remember his name because I can see his face. I'm like, but his name gave me trouble. I remember, and, yeah. but I can. But his focus and his his thought process and his how he practices martial arts kind of makes me think that he's a little bit more traditional, I guess, in the MMA. Um, I don't know. Opposed to like that fight was awesome against Dom Reyes. It was like one of my favorite fights of the year. And I love Dom. Oh. Yeah, he's he's awesome. He's he's done stuff with Barstool in the past too. Like we've played like Warzone with him and and tournaments and stuff. So seeing him like go down like that was scary. The way his head hit the canvas, but thank God he's all right. Yes, absolutely. You know, and the the thing is too, man, is uh with these like with these fighters that are new and coming, like Yuri, like dude, he's just a crazy. Like listening to him talk, there as wild. So his style yeah. resembles him as a person. I, I sure. legitimately think, but I don't think he means any harm. You know what I mean? Like when you, when you listen to him talk, he's a little crazy, but he, he means no harm. But when he's in there, there comes that, the animal inside. And there's very few fighters that you can see that, that they create this animal that, that in the cage, you're like, Oh shit. Like this isn't the same person as like I talked to the other day. Like I really hope I never meet this guy, you know? And yeah. Yuri's, Yuri's the one that comes in my head, like listening to him talk. He's very cool, calm, and like a little wild. But dude, what an amazing fight and what a crazy ass fighter to be. He on. said afterwards that he got knocked out in that fight. He said in a, like one of the interviews, he was like, "Oh yeah, he." I think with an up kick, he's like, "He knocked me out for a second. I was out, and then I just snapped back into it." Jeez, that's imagine cool. being Dominic Reyes and hearing that. Oh, it hurts. I had a that's gotta hurt, right? I had a friend back in the amateur days. He fought Masad Bektik when we were amateurs. So he was undefeated. Masad was undefeated. Masad was 10 and 0. He fought a kid named Mac Bailey. And Mac, if you go, if they, they might have those on Titan, Mac literally beat the shit out of Masad. Beat the shit out of him. And for the first, the three minute rounds, three, three minute rounds, literally first round dominated. Second round dominated. Third round dominated. And Towards the end, just tired out, and Mursad got into a crucifix, ended up just pop, 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 like baby punches, ended up getting the finish. Um, my buddy had five days of training. It, it kid was unreal. So anyways, Mursad comes to the back with us, and Mursad goes, man, he goes, I don't know what happened. He's like, you knocked me out. And he's like, you woke me up, and then you knocked me out again, and then you woke me up again. He's like, all I remember is you were hitting me, and I was on the cage. And then the next time I was like right in front of you and then I woke up or went back to sleep and I woke up and then the bell was there and I'm like looking at you. You're looking at me. He's like, I don't remember what happened. And, Mursa, or, and Mac was like, dude, he's like, don't ever tell me that again. Like yeah. I won the fight twice and yeah. I didn't even know it. Didn't know it. Damn. Yeah, man. That's crazy. But you know, okay. Change of subject. Did you see Vittori and Adesanya go at it? Yeah. Okay, no, second time. What happened? Adesanya is going to win. I know this already because because he's already in Vittori's head. Like, he has got him so mentally mind-fucked that he's going to go come into that fight swinging for the fences out of emotion. Vittori is just going nuts. Okay, I just I, that just popped into my head. Who do you head. got in that fight? 
I think Adesanya. I think it's uh, very similar to, and I was talking about this with uh, uh, Big Ev at Barstool. I think it's very similar to Adesanya coming off the um, the fight with Yoel Romero and him feeling like he had something to prove. He won that fight, but he still felt like he had something to prove going into the Costa fight. And him coming off the loss, his first UFC loss, mm-hmm. I feel like he also feels like he has to show everyone Vittori didn't belong in there with him back in the day when he says, you got the split decision over me that I should have yeah. won. And I, I, I think, like Kendra said, he's going to come out swinging and he's going to want that finish this time. This is the thing, man. I, I have Adesanya in that fight yes. all day. And this is why. One, Marvin is saying, hey, man, you got beat by, um, you know, uh, Jacques, uh, Jacques, uh, Jacques Ray. What am I trying to sit there and think? Um, yeah. Jan. You got beat by Jan. And he's like, oh, Jan, first and foremost, Jan is a champion. And Jan is a 230-pound champion that cuts to 205. So Jan is a different beast. And in all honesty, if you listen to Jan talk, Jan was shocked of his striking. And he was shocked of his speed. But Jan was just a bigger fighter. And he showed him he was the bigger fighter. And Adesanya went into that super tiny, right? He didn't even come close to the 205 limit. He was a 200. He was a 200. And it's like, okay, so he didn't change anything. He was still fast. He was still, you know, still landing shots. I mean, there's a couple times he had Jan wobbled, and that's a big old guy. So we know he has the power. Now we go to Marvin, and Marvin's done an impressive job. But if he could not have taken down uh, Kevin Holland, honestly, I didn't think he was going to do very well with Kevin Holland. Yeah. You know? And it, he took Kevin Holland down. He was controlling the deal. Couldn't finish him, but he was able to control him. And the same thing happened when he fought um, Carl Robertson. You know, when he was standing up, Carl was lighting him up on the feet, and then he took him down. This is the thing with, I believe, with uh, Adesanya. I think he's very intelligent now, more intelligent than he was back then, about the mixed martial arts game and the grappling and how to stop it. And a lot of people have tried grappling him, and it just doesn't work out. Now, Jan had the power to be able to lift him and put him on the ground, but I don't think any of the other middleweights that are in the top 10 have that same exact power that can beat the striking of Adesanya to be able to get them to get him to the ground. And the same thing is uh, it's just there's levels to the striking and there's levels to his, like, just cage awareness. I don't think he's going to have the stamina to sustain a wrestling for 25 minutes. Um, And I, I do believe that. Adesanya is going to get him tired and end up taking him out in a you know, 25-minute fight. I think I, I saw Adesanya post today the last like five or six fights that he had and then the last five or six that Vittori had. And it really like reeked of that DC quote, like there's levels to this. And no disrespect to any of Vittori's former opponents, but like Adesanya is a big step up from Kevin Holland. Like going from fighting Kevin Holland to fighting Adesanya is pretty pretty nuts. And when you look at the the couple fights, the couple you know the last couple people that Adesanya's beat, and then Vittori. I know MMA math doesn't always line up, but it is hard to deny when you look at it. You're like, man, it, it just looks like this guy's on another level. He is, Absolutely. and he's I, 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 it mentally. And you can tell. Yeah. Like I, I don't, I don't, I think Adesanya. I think Vittori is actually in Adesanya's head, to be honest. Um, <laughs> 
I, I mean, he's got him screaming at him on the Zoom I mean, calls, right? Like, nuts. He can't even contain himself. <laughs> he's ready to go, you know, fight him at the conference, press conference. And it's oh, like, yeah, they were talking. They were talking back. I saw that on that, but I thought there was something more that happened. But, like, listening to that presser, had Vittori had a little bit more wit to him and a little bit more of a sting with his just his comeback, his his demeanor and what he was talking about, it would have been a little bit easier to – get deeper into Adesanya's head and my point of view, but like you can even listen to like whenever McGregor and Nate were going back at it back in the day, like you can listen to both of them were stinging and none of them gave down. None of them passed down and you weren't, you didn't really win the argument. Whereas Adesanya had a, you know, a stinging quote to him about, you know, Marvin's clothing and talk about, you know, his, his style and everything like that. And it was – he didn't have, like, a stinging comeback. He was like, oh, you know, like, oh, you got me. I just got to say something to say something type of deal. And it's like I think had he had been a little bit more powerful in his just – his WWE pre-fight buildup, it would have been a lot – it would have been a lot more intriguing. But it did piss off Adesanya. So yeah. I'm intrigued by it. Yeah. I'm excited. Um, the whole yeah. card's awesome. Like every single, I'm excited for the Jamal Hill fight. I'm excited for the Matt Fravola fight. I'm excited for like up and down the card prelims, early prelims, main card. Like literally, I feel like everything has a fight for someone. Absolutely. I'm, you know what? It's kind of crazy. We've been waiting for this. You know what I mean? We've been waiting for like a, a style. Like this is like International Fight Week from oh, yeah. the years prior to the pandemic. This is the, 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 the big card. I mean, we have the Diaz. You know, a Diaz brother on there and five Leon, rounds. Five rounds. I, dude, let me hear your intake and I want to hear you, Kendra. Who do you got, Nate or you got Leon and why? I don't know. You know, I, I'm gonna, I, I mean, I love the Diaz brothers. I, and I, I never like to, to, you know, go against them. I don't know because I feel like, you know, they're unconventional uh, fighting style. They're relentless. They, they just, I don't know. They have that dog in them. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. As far as Leon Edwards goes, no, nah, I, I don't know. I'm going to go with Diaz. That's it. That's, I mean, that's who I think. He's a ride or die right there. Yeah. I don't know. I just hate to bet against them for sure. Not, that, not betting, but you know, sort of. Fair enough. Morally mm-hmm. betting against them, yeah. Yeah. I think I'm gonna go Leon Edwards, unfortunately. I love Nate Diaz. Yeah. But just after the last I was at the MSG fight against Mosvidal. Yeah. There was something in that fight where it looked like and again, all due respect to him, it looked like maybe he lost a step there. And Leon Edwards is so technical in the octagon that I feel like when you put someone that's so technical in there with a brawler like Nate or you know, someone like that. He's just gonna dominate him. He's just gonna like overpower him with, um, like this the smart side of fighting almost. Yeah, work smarter, not harder type. Yeah, I get it. Like, but Nate's not gonna get tired, is the thing. Yeah, so it's never. like the five <laughs> rounds. I don't know who's like. I don't know if Leon's gonna get tired. I don't know who the five rounds works in well, advantage to. Leon's matchup when he fought RDA, it was you know just textbook that grappling that whole time. Um, and I just want to see what how Nate responds to that, like, relentless pressure and grappling. Because he's going to always – if he's on his back, he's going to be attacking. And, yeah. you know, Masvidal, Masvidal, like, had a very unique style to him 
that presented a lot of problems to Nate. And he, I mean, he kicked Nate right in the fucking mouth, dude. It was crazy. That, like the way that he hit him and then also was able to catch him with the kick on the way down. It was, it was some matrix stuff. It was, it was insane. And it was like one of those type of deals. But I think Leon Edwards, I, when I watched him against uh, Belial last week, or not last week, last fight, I even before he had that eye poke, dude, he was – that was a different – that was a different animal I've ever he seen. He looked really good, yeah. Great. Thanks. You know, it is what it is. Like, you're a rider. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I know. I'm an underdog. Yeah, We're I all going to win with Nate Diaz fighting in front of a crowd, though, because you know at some point he's going to, you know, the Nate Diaz fight doesn't begin until he's bleeding and, like, hyping the crowd yes. up as he's bleeding from the face. Yes, it's like blood fuels them when they it's see like, it. Okay, here like, we go. Yeah, he's, he's starting yeah. a fight. Yeah. I mean, in the in the fight against Masvidal, we're saying maybe he lost that, but, like, in that fight, he started to show stuff as the fight got cut with the laceration. Nuts. That yeah. is – I love that shit. I love the Diaz brothers. Like – at first, I was like, mm, and then I'm like, man, like, there's just something about them. They got that swag that just, I love it, like, that dog mentality. I'm a little raw, tense, you know, it is what it is. I love, I love people that, that are unique characters in the, in the game and that can create some sort of just excitement for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I've said this before in multiple podcasts. I, I don't, I don't think, you know, fighters are really good at promoting themselves and building themselves up. We need a WWE style, but with legit fighting. Like, yeah. And if you're kind of sitting there, oh, why are you going to beat him? Because that dude sucks. You know what I mean? Like, that's a that's a terrible yeah. conversation. Like, yeah. you listen to the Diaz brothers. They, they will say some crazy stuff, but they're backing it up. And you're like, okay, I can believe what you say. And when you got all these different characters out here, they, they interview the same, they talk the same, and they just – they don't have a personality, which I love the personality. That makes me enjoy being around and listening to that. Because, dude, in all honesty, the personality, the, the fights sell themselves. But, like, the personality just elevated more. Because, I mean, how much more did you enjoy listening and watching and hearing Jorge Masvidal when he hit the three-piece in the soda on Leon Edwards at the backstage? Like, Yeah, exactly. I mean, was- that sentiment is superstardom. Yeah, it, I mean, it really did. And it was just amazing. And then his character where he fought, you know, as he started fighting and getting these finishes and, and his just personality he created with the baptism and, and all that, it just yeah. you revived a new fighter that's been around for a long time. But then you look at, like, you know, for instance, let's, let's talk about Marvin Vittori. Marvin has the same character every fight. It's super weird i don't really know how to explain it like when you listen to him he's like breathing heavy on you like oh i'm gonna do this like and just gets really awkward and it's like i don't want to see that julian they're not having sex i think you're like i think they are though but but when you were huffing and puffing i feel like it made you mad like the way have you not like have you not watched marvin in his like no no but he's consistent, he right? I feel like he, he he does. I don't need. I don't know if he thinks of like you know creating a personality. I think Marvin's like on me. Is yeah, yeah. But I think you. Ha- I I don't think I just like you have to if you want to get excel in this. And great, he's done a, a lot of things. He moved up from not being ranked to fighting with it for the title within a year's time, which is incredible. 
You know, that we're, we're talking the same story that Israel Adesanya did when he yeah. first got signed in there. And we're talking about a fighter that's been in the game for a long time that was almost on the border of irrelevant, never been ranked. And then all of a sudden, after the pandemic, the guy's now fighting for a title. He got ranked and fighting for a title on the same year. So I get that. But, I mean, when you're on the mic, man, you you got you have 15 minutes. You have to make it impactful. You got to make it entertaining. Like, if you don't make it entertaining, then you don't sell. And if you don't sell, then you're not going to be on the pay-per-view headliners. You're not going to be, you know, at the spot you want to be at. Look at Israel Asanya. He sells. He's interesting, and he's the pay-per-view headline. But if Conor McGregor was fighting, yeah, it would be the co-main event. Yes, you know, yeah, he's talent, and you know, I love Conor. I have his whiskey. I, I mean, I love him. He is entertaining. He, and I don't think he's the greatest fighter of all time. He's one of the best. However, he sells a fight, like you said. It's packed. It's nuts. It's a. It's a, an entirely different environment when Conor McGregor is fighting. There's nothing like it. I never felt chills in my body. Like when I went to watch him fight against uh, Cerrone in Vegas uh, a couple years, last year, a couple years ago. So I get that. But then I also think you don't necessarily have to be an entertainer to like Habib. Okay. Pound for pound. Okay, so his, but he wasn't the most, he's not the most entertaining. You know, he's just, he's, he's really not. He's, I thought he was. I don't think he's very entertaining, but his record speaks for himself. You know, he's one of the greatest of all time. So I don't know, but I enjoy more of, I do enjoy more of a combination of like bringing a little the WWE or a little bit more excitement, entertainment, the banter. That's what draws people in, right? They either love you or they hate you, but they know you, right? Look, we wouldn't have Robbie Fox as our fan if it had not been for WWE. So I know he respects the pre-fight, fight entertainment. And in all honesty, if I'm watching something for five and a half hours, six and a half hours, I want to hear some funny ass shit. I want to hear some great, you know, I don't know. I want personalities. I want characters. That's what's really going to hype it up. I want. I feel like I want a little bit of everything. Like on the UFC show, I want some people that are like not characters. Some people that are totally over the top. Some people that are like down the middle. Like give us like the variety of it. Like yes. basically, just if you're a UFC fighter, like don't try to be Conor McGregor. Don't say red panty night. Just be yourself. <laughs> yes, and I think authenticity at the end of the day is always best. You know, I mean, be who yeah. you are. You know, and and I get it. In in entertainment, you know, we we have alter egos and those things. But I think if if at the root you're still kind of the same person, you just amp it up. It it sells and it works. But you know, you you can't be Owen like ten. I mean, that shit's not going to work. You still have to be yeah. good at what you do, right? So anyway, uh, well, who knows? Logan Paul, Owen one just got to fight Floyd. So oh, maybe I, you can be. I agree with <laughs> you. yes, right? But hey, you went to eight. You went to eight rounds. Man, in all honesty, I will build up my entertainment and my YouTube channel and everything if I can fight Floyd Mayweather for twenty million, dude. Knock me the fuck out. I don't yeah. care. I'll fight for less. Like, let's go. Yeah. yeah. You want to throw me on one of the bar stool ones for a million, where I have to take a punch <laughs> right. from Big Cat? I'm I'm with it. Having me right in the face, I'm telling you, I'm I'm with it. Let me get the hype on there. I think Jake Paul tweeted, uh, like Barstool Big Cat could knock out Tyron Woodley. That was like one of his things to like talk trash. And Big Cat was like, Whoa, whoa, <laughs> yeah, but it, it sells because look, the thing is, I think he's so intelligent. I, I, I really like, 
I've said yeah. this many times. His, his marketing is amazing. He yeah. just went to Barstool with Big Cat, which is going to bring a whole entire just yeah. different group of people that want to watch it. And now Barstool has to talk about it and they want to sit there and, and put it in their, their headlines. And now it's just like he's taking one of the biggest platforms on social media um, and he's having them talk about it. And it's like, it's so his opponents well too. Even like the Woodley matchup, I'm like, I have no idea how this is going to go. Like, yeah. and and it's a credible step up from Ben Askren when you look at like, okay, in terms of boxing, like, all yeah. right, he is it sort is. of working his way, and he's still avoiding. He still never fought anyone that also considers themselves a boxer. Yeah, that, yeah. that's my favorite thing. He'll never fight anyone that's like, yeah, I'm a boxer too. He'll leave it to Logan, his brother. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it's just like. But it's smart. It's wild. He doesn't but have he's, to. He's intelligent. He, he's probably making. He's probably making upwards of the of ten to twenty million dollars a with sponsorship and everything a fight. You know, like not saying you know their purse, but he's making a good amount of money. They're tough. You know, former <laughs> champions to yeah. retirees to fight people that like. Come on. He's got a good coach, though. Jake Paul, he has Benjamin Flores, okay? I'm a, I am love I mean, former champ, uh, you know, champion boxer. So, you know, he's being guided well, but his PR, I mean, he's great. He is a great, he's a, a genius at marketing, period. And you can't, I mean, it is what it is, right? Use it's your a platform. Thing. Yeah. That's it. He's using his platform, and I, I love it, man. I love his, he's so smart. Hey, if we need, let's. I'm gonna. That's my next call out. You, you heard it here first. I'm gonna knock out my next opponent, and then I'm gonna call out Jake Paul on live television. Ooh, ooh. All oh, right. Wow. Let's let's get the entertainment on there. <laughs> well, um, gosh, I feel like we're just rolling with this, and we could probably talk. I always say this: we really could keep going on and on. We're gonna say, okay, we're gonna keep it to sixty, you know, so we don't over, you know, keep our guests too long. But um, I really enjoyed uh, having you on, Robbie. I know Julian has too. Um, you're incredible. Sorry, I I feel like I'm the chronic interrupter lately, and I don't know why. I'm like, <laughs> kid. I haven't we haven't done a podcast in a week, so I'm like, hey, hey. But it's um, always like that when there's a delay on Zoom or Streamyard or whatever you use. Yeah. It's just part of the game. Yeah, but um, we both want to thank you so much for taking the time out to come hang with us and and tell us your story, which I think is incredible. I love and admire your relentlessness um, to to be where you're at. So congrats to you. And I hope you enjoy the fights tomorrow night. And um, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate Tell- all that. That's super kind. Yeah. Thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate the Like, you know, you guys yeah. just like just you, help out fighters, you help out fighters. You help out bring up MMA. Yeah. I, I, I highly respect that. And I love your story. So, you know, we'll love to have you on again and build it up. But uh Tell our fans and following like where they can find you and your podcast and everything. Yeah, so check out My Mom's Basement is the name of my podcast. So if you go on YouTube, My Mom's Basement with Robbie Fox, um, Barstool Sports, obviously you could follow me at Robbie Barstool on Twitter and stuff. But yeah, that's pretty much it. My Mom's Basement is the, is the show. Good Let's stuff. Talk. Thanks, Robbie. You have an incredible night, and I'm going to have to check out um, some of that music you sent me. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You guys too. Have a good one. Thank, Thank you. Thanks, buddy.